Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Room and Room podcasts. Many of you will have already tuned into some of our podcasts, but for those of you who are listening in for the first time, this is a range of different topics as relates to ruminant nutrition. And the podcasts that we are presenting are actually an offshoot from the Facebook group, The Room and Room. So if you're not a member of The Room and Room, head over to Facebook and join in for lots of topics around all things ruminant nutrition. My name's Charlotte Westwood. I'm a vet and nutritionist based in Lincoln and Canterbury in New Zealand. And in this episode of the Room and Room podcasts, what we're going to be doing is discussing all things to do with magnesium metabolism and ruminants. We'll be having a really good look at the importance of magnesium to both pregnant and lactating cattle, with a specific emphasis on the magnesium needs of dairy cows. So notwithstanding beefies, uh, beef cows also can have issues with magnesium, but yeah, looking just at dairy specifically today. Now what we're going to do is work through just what the requirements are for cows for magnesium and what some of the challenges can be if uh, we don't have enough magnesium in the feed that the cow's eating or other challenges that can cause magnesium metabolism problems uh, and therefore the health and well-being of our cows. Just a quick comment here before we get further underway about magnesium. Hey, look, as always with these podcasts and the Room and Room content, remember that your own veterinarian remains your most important go-to person to help working through, uh, well, any animal health challenges, but specifically the magnesium stuff that we're going to be covering here. So your vet knows your cows, yourself, your feeding situation, etc. And what we're covering here is some basic insights into magnesium metabolism and we won't replace what your vet will be telling you um, to be doing at your place. Right, that said, let's kick off this magnesium topic. Here we go. Let's start with the first point about magnesium. What we're going to do initially is just review the basics of magnesium stuff uh, to scene set and then we'll move into some of the more practical stuff. Now, we're not going to go into the real depths about magnesium. You can Google that, look at Wikipedia, wherever you want to have a look at. But I guess with the basics, as you'll probably remember, like with horror, your high school chemistry lessons that taught you all about the periodic table. Do you remember those, all those different elements and what they all meant? And goodness me, I didn't really enjoy learning that either. So, of course, there was magnesium. The symbol, chemical symbol for magnesium is MG. And the atomic number of 12. Now, the rest of it, please go and Google. We're not going to talk any more about that. So, yeah, um, to keep things interesting, we're going to move away from that um, rather boring basic chemistry stuff about magnesium and move more into the aspects of magnesium as they relate very much to the animal, the focus on dairy animals. That's the basic stuff put to one side. Moving on to point number two about magnesium. Just why do our cows need magnesium on a day-to-day basis? Well, look, to be honest, um, magnesium is a really, really kind of busy uh, element that works really hard inside the body of your cows, doing a whole heap of important things for the girls. 
probably the most important thing first up that magnesium does is taking part in the activity of like 300 more or plus enzymes around the body. So a heap of really important metabolic functions are very much dependent on your cows maintaining normal magnesium levels in their blood. So secondly, mag's really important for helping the cow maintain normal levels of, of calcium and phosphorus. This is getting complicated, isn't it? And the third most important thing for magnesium is keeping the cow's muscles and nerve transmissions, so zappy nerve transmissions from the cow's brain around the body working well. So with low magnesium, we get all sorts of problems. So look, with so many bits and pieces that magnesium's involved in, it's no wonder we need to look after the magnesium status of our cows. And it's especially important uh, for our spring calving cows, particularly through the winter and early spring months, when they're heavily in calf and then after they've calved and are lactating. So number three, there's going to be a question here about how much is enough magnesium to keep a cow ticking over and doing normal things and keeping healthy and well. Well, look, it's like anything in life. Look, we can only answer that question with that really infuriating answer of, well, you know, it depends. (sighs) Give us some numbers. Well, look, Okay, if you Google how much magnesium should be in every kilogram of dry matter that a cow eats, you're going to get a whole range of values. Good old Google gets a bit confusing, hey? Now, the reason Google isn't necessarily going to give you an absolute answer is because the demand for magnesium depends very much on a range of factors like the age of the cow, getting older she needs more, if she's lactating, um, and if so, how much she's producing in terms of milk, the stage of lactation, early or late, and hey, if she's pregnant, the magnesium requirements will depend very much on the stage of pregnancy. So what we're saying is that look, requirements for cattle for their magnesium in their diet could range from as little as uh, 0.1% of dry matter. So that's one gram of magnesium per kilogram of dry matter uh, for an empty non-lactating adult dairy cow, up to over 0.3% of dry matter or 3 grams of magnesium per kilogram of dry matter for a cow at peak lactation when she's really churning the milk out. So to figure out how much magnesium a cow needs, we need to look at it in a range of different ways. First up, we look at uh, the requirements for a cow or perhaps one of your replacement heifers uh, and they have a fixed requirement uh, for a maintenance level of magnesium just to run the the body of that cow or heifer on a day-to-day basis. So that's a fixed amount that stays the same all day every day for maintenance. And then over and above maintenance needs for magnesium, then we need to consider a range of other things that a cow or a heifer might be doing that increases her daily demand for magnesium. So let's think about one of your young growing heifers first. Like, hey, she's going to need mag just for her daily maintenance requirements, like we said, but also because she's busy growing and particularly when she's younger, she's going to be growing a lot of muscle and bone growth. That requirement for magnesium is for the muscle and bone growth over and above that maintenance requirement. Or on the other hand, if it's for one of your adult grown-up girls, when that cow is pregnant, she's going to need extra magnesium. Now, the actual amount of mag she needs for pregnancy 
isn't the same for the whole of pregnancy because that makes sense really, eh? Early in pregnancy, let's say uh, day 30 of pregnancy, so that little little calf to be, it's just a tiny wee dot of a conceptus uh, inside the uterus and that doesn't yet increase uh, the, the demands of the cow uh, daily for magnesium. Now, as that pregnancy progresses, those demands for all nutrients, including magnesium, really start to ramp up later in pregnancy. And when we're crunching numbers to decide how much magnesium your pregnant cows need, we need to start factoring in extra uh, pregnancy requirements for magnesium about from, from about 190 days pregnancy onwards. And then after that stage, as we get closer and closer to calving, we need to gradually, incrementally increase the amount of magnesium we give those cows. So that's why when you've got cows overwintering on grass or crop or whatever, usually we're, we're starting to have magnesium requirements that are that six to eight weeks pre-calving and very certainly at the very latest starting supplementing with magnesium um, at least four weeks pre-calving when that the fetus, the calf, is really starting to grow and as well as that for getting close to springing when obviously the colostrum requirements start to ramp up. So while we're on the topic of lactation, yes, um, lactating dairy cows, particularly peak lactation um, for those girls, is when cows have the highest requirements for magnesium of the whole kind of uh, seasonal cycle um, of lactation. So for a high-producing cow, there is a heap of magnesium that's lost both in initially colostrum and then uh, mid-lactation milk as she progresses through lactation. First up, obviously, colostrum, you know, like gold colostrum, that first milk and colostrum, that contains a heap of magnesium. Like every litre of colostrum contains almost 0.4 of a gram of magnesium per litre of colostrum. And then by the time uh, cows, you know, uh, out of the colostrum mob and they're into the vat, that vat milk um, contains less magnesium than that real nutrient-dense colostrum did, and the vat milk contains about um, 0.1 of a gram per litre of normal vat milk. So that's only about like 25%, you know, about a quarter of the amount of mag that was in that colostrum. So, yeah, those poor old colostrum cows, no wonder they're so vulnerable when we milk them out for the first time, you know, because we take all that energy-dense and mineral-dense milk out, uh, but particularly with regard to magnesium. Now, you can do lots of number-crunching facts um, to determine how much mag's taken out, but if we said that um, seven litres of, of early lactation milk removes the same amount of magnesium as what's floating around in the blood of a cow, goodness, no wonder these cows are so vulnerable when we milk them out um, through that colostrum period. Point number four about mag. How come in our New Zealand or maybe southeastern regions of Australia, our pasture-based systems, how come it's so hard work to keep the magnesium status of our cows fit and well uh, through that late uh, pregnancy and early lactation period? Well, look, to be honest, it's a range of cow-based factors, which we'll talk about first, and then it's also a problem for our typically ryegrass-dominant systems that these cows are calving down onto. So we'll kick off with the cow first. And the problem for a cow is that there's not a lot of magnesium in her entire body. So if we could weigh out the total amount of magnesium that's found embedded, if you like, in the body of one of your cows, like for a 500-kilo cow, there's only about 320 elemental grams of magnesium in the whole of her body. 
Now, when you think about 320 grams, that's not much elemental magnesium. Hey, like if you think there's a pack of butter in your fridge and that's 500 grams, the total amount of mag in that body of that 500 kilo cow is about two thirds of a pack of butter. Goodness, no wonder there's not a lot of mag and that that cow is on a knife edge with regard to keeping that status sorted. So when um, you're trying to look after the magnesium status of your cow, of that 320 grams mag in a whole big cow, there's only a tiny proportion of that that's available uh, for immediate requirements floating around in the blood of a cow at any stage. So in the blood of the cow, there's only like four to five grams of magnesium in the blood. Right, so that's like a teaspoonful of elemental magnesium in the whole blood volume of the cow. It's not much, eh? When we think about it, that amount of mag in the blood works out at like 1.2% of the total amount of mag in the whole cow. Not much. In terms of that, two-thirds of a pack of butter worth of mag, there's like of that, uh, the other proportion, there's about 90 or 100 grams of mag that's within the cells of the soft tissues like muscle and um, some of the organs of the cow. And then the balance of that 320 grams is locked in pretty tightly in the bones and the teeth of a cow. So like that's the balance of maybe 2 to 250 um, grams of elemental magnesium in the bones. So long story short, what we're saying here is that the amount of mag in the blood of a cow is minuscule, itty bitty tiny compared to when we do things like milk a cow out and we take out grams and grams and grams of uh, magnesium from a single milking like first um, gold colostrum. So we need to hold this thought because we're going to come back to this issue and, and why this is important and why this makes your cows very vulnerable to magnesium deficiency, um, particularly sort of either side of calving. If the cow runs out of dietary magnesium or if she gets stressed like by rough winter weather or a period of underfeeding, like if you've got snow on the ground for a day or two, because there's only that itty bit of magnesium in the blood, she's very vulnerable. So that's on the cow side of the story. So... When we now move on to the diet of cows, and as we said before, like in um, New Zealand and southeastern pastoral-based regions of Australia, is that we have a ryegrass dominance system. And we can have potential issues in these ryegrass dominance systems with the availability of the magnesium in the diet or from the magnesium that you supplement a cow with. And there may not be a whole lot that's absorbed so let's look at how magnesium is absorbed by the cow. Now, most of the dietary magnesium or that's present in your mag oxide or mag chloride or mag sulfate that you put in front of the cow, most of that is absorbed in stomachs number one and number two. That's the reticulum and the rumen that we talked about um, with our intro sessions about how the gut of the cow works. There's also a tiny bit of mag taken up in stomachs number three and four, the omasum and ebomasum, but yeah, most in the rumen and reticulum. So look, the magnesium in the diet, or that you've thoughtfully put in front of the cow, you know, dusted on pasture or whatever, that gets taken up in two different ways inside the rumen. Firstly, there's the passive uptake, which all that means is that magnesium flows from higher levels of magnesium, say in the rumen, down the concentration gradient into lesser amounts of magnesium in the rumen wall. And that allows magnesium to shift across the rumen wall and end up in the blood. So that's a good thing. The other way that magnesium uh, jumps across the rumen wall into the blood is what's called active uptake. And like as that name suggests, magnesium gets actively taken up 
in a more controlled and kind of like um, regulated manner across the room and wall. So depending on lots of factors, uh, that magnesium uptake by active uptake might be reduced under some situations like the presence of high potassium and stuff that we're going to talk about next. So yeah, between passive and active uptake of magnesium, that's how most of that mag that you give to your cows ends up in the blood. Uh, and there's lots of different things that can mess with the efficiency of uptake that can cause therefore low levels of magnesium in the blood and a greater risk of metabolic disease. So we're moving on to like point number six now and what we're going to cover on this point is a little bit more about this uptake of mag, you know, either passive or, or active uptake from the rumen. Now unfortunately for the cow and for us, look this magnesium uptake process can be really random, sometimes good, sometimes not so good, but overall it's pretty inefficient which means that only a low proportion of all that mag in the feed or mag supplements you're offering, a low proportion of that ends up in the blood, frustratingly. Now, sometimes under some situations, this can be appallingly inefficient, like uh, as little as only 7% of dietary magnesium and supplementary magnesium ends up in the blood. And look, even if things are working in our favour, maybe only 35% at best of, of dietary mag ends up in the blood. So this is why it's so frustrating when we get problems of low blood magnesium, even though we can tick the box with you and you're doing everything right. What a frustration. And we're going to talk more about this and, and ways that we can improve this efficiency. Now, in terms of this inefficient uptake, there's a heap of things that stuff up the absorption of magnesium from the diet of cows and therefore increase risk of low blood magnesium. Sorry, overseas listeners, and we know we've got um, sort of a world worldwide coverage, and we're delighted to have you along. But we are going to take a little bit of a New Zealand and, and southeastern Australian view um, by discussing some of the challenges that we have here on our ryegrass dominance systems that cows commonly consume here um, during calving. There's a range of factors why this lovely, lush and high-quality ryegrass, sometimes white clover pastures, can cause problems with magnesium. Now, at the time of recording this podcast, we're recording this in, in June 2022, we're heading into the seasons of a year here in New Zealand where magnesium is a real problem for our cows, and that's winter and the early spring months. The reasons why these pastures at that time of year is challenging for our poor old cows and, and increasing our risk of metabolic disease is that there's stuff to do with ryegrass that causes us problems with an inefficient uptake of magnesium into uh, the blood. Now, I'm not beating up personally on the ryegrass plant, um, but the key things that we're going to work through are the factors to do with ryegrass dominant pastures that heighten this risk of problem. So firstly, what's happening during these cold conditions uh, with our ryegrass dominant pastures? Firstly, we have obviously cold winter weather and early spring weather and typically this time of year we've got really wet, soggy soils, a lot of rainfall, not good drainage and that reduces the uptake of magnesium from the soil and into the plant. So you can get quite low levels of magnesium, irrespective of inefficiencies of uptake in the rumen. It's just that ryegrasses um, don't like having cold, wet feet. And when soil temperatures are really low, um, and let's say less than 12 degrees, and things are wet and sodden, the ryegrasses are less likely to pull up much in the way of magnesium. 
for those who are listening that have more of a, uh, a hunger for this sort of knowledge, apparently the low soil temps, um, especially in the combination of wet soils, apparently the solubility of all of your divalent cations, so those with a 2 plus charge, that includes mag, the solubility of those are reduced in, in low temperatures, so less likely to be taken up by the plant. But on the other hand, we get increased solubility of monovalent cations. So that's anything with a single plus. So that's like um, potassium particularly. The other thing is, is apparently like your soggy, waterlogged, wet soils uh, increase risk of low mag in, in your ryegrasses because soil oxygen levels are low uh, in these wet soils and, and the roots don't respire as much. So yeah, they get a bit lazy and, and don't take up much mag either. So also in these cold, wet, wintry conditions, our legumes, so our red and white clovers, uh, have gone to sleep. They've pulled their head in, they're not doing a whole lot. And that's a bit of a shame because our clovers contain more magnesium and are more favourable in holding up uh, magnesium levels than, than our ryegrass-dominant pastures. So for all of those reasons, we've got a genuine, what we call primary magnesium deficiency in their pastures through this vulnerable time in, in winter and early spring. Just not enough mag going down the, the food hole, if you'd like, of the cow to meet her demands. Now, coming back to these cold, wet winter conditions, look, I mentioned before about these cold, wet, soggy pastures continue to pull up a lot of potassium, and if anything, they pull up more than other times of the year. Now, Kay's a real bad guy when it comes to inefficient absorption of magnesium in the room, and especially when the diet also contains low levels of sodium. Now, we think that what happens is when we have a heap of dietary potassium, but also low dietary sodium, that messes with that active uptake of uh, magnesium across the rumen wall. So a lot of K, uh, not much sodium, can cause reduced uptake of magnesium. We don't have to have a lot of potassium in the diet to start to mess with this. As little as like 2.2% potassium per kilogram of dry matter will start to reduce the uh, efficiency of that active uptake of mag. And look, hey, many pastures in New Zealand have a heap more K than 2.2%. A lot of you have probably pastures sampled and seen uh, potassium levels in excess of 3.5 or 4% of dry matter or even as high as 5 or 5.5. So when there's a lot of potassium, you are going to have more problems with inefficiency of magnesium uptake. Those of you that um, do a lot of feed testing and feed sampling, you may have seen on the bottom uh, particularly of reports from uh, the feed testing laboratory, Hill Laboratory, uh, they will uh, present to you what's called a grass tetany index. Now, this index uh, provides a measure of risk of low blood magnesium, so not just grass tetany, which we'll talk about shortly, um, but just anything that's going to uh, reduce efficiency of magnesium uptake. And it's just a little calculator that hills do for you, um, but if you wanted to do yourself, is all you do is you take your dietary potassium concentrations and you divide that by your concentration of calcium and magnesium added together. So it's K divided by combination of calcium plus magnesium. The rule of thumb, it's been around for a long, long time, is that in theory, risk of magnesium-related challenges for your cows start to increase when that grass tetany index is greater than 2.2. So that means when the potassium is high and the calcium and magnesium are low. So look, just while we're on the topic of high potassium, it's obviously not just a ryegrass issue. Other grasses like uh, kaikuyu uh, and other species of grasses luxuriantly take up potassium when it's there. So this is why we recommend when you're talking with your um, fertiliser rep that you leave your potassium uh, fertiliser applications, whether that be uh, capital applications or maintenance, until the summertime um, when cows aren't 
as uh, at, at greater risk of metabolic disease, including those associated with low magnesium. So yeah, don't don't put those on during early spring, and ideally probably leave them till the end of of your spring mating. As well, those of you uh, feeding uh, some supplements coming into the system, such as uh, here in New Zealand, there's a range of different names for it, but like Prolic or, or other delactosed whey byproducts or whey itself, they uh, can contain very high levels of potassium. And in the case of delactosed whey, I've seen levels of as high as 8% of dry matter as potassium in delactosed whey. So if your cows are already very vulnerable to all metabolic diseases, and particularly those with a magnesium basis, you just want to be a little bit careful feeding those feeds or feed them with extreme care. Coming back, again, not trying to beat up on our ryegrass-dominant pastures in winter and early spring, but the other way that these pastures can cause problems to the efficiency of magnesium uptake is because of the high levels of crude protein. Crude protein levels in your first grazing round pastures, the stuff that you've carried through the winter, as we call it autumn or winter-safe pasture, the protein levels of those can be somewhat lower, so you may not have too many metabolic problems when the cows are eating that first grazing round. On the other hand, when we get on to our second grazing round pastures, so that's the regrowth that's come back after you've like, chewed off your autumn or winter safe pastures, that regrowth is very likely to contain not only less magnesium and more potassium, but there's also going to be a lot more crude protein in that rapidly growing early spring pasture. So protein, oh, as if we've got everything else messing up magnesium uptake in the room, and why does protein do that? Well, look, the protein that's present in this lush leafy ryegrass is, is really rapidly rumen degradable, which just means that it gets busted up in the rumen and broken down to rumen ammonia real fast. And it's actually that r- ammonia that's been broken down from the protein that, that messes up the uptake of magnesium across the rumen walls. So, yeah, along with the high potassium, lots of green leaf, that protein causes problems. Uh, and particularly if you are chasing growth of pasture late winter early spring depending on soil temperatures with additional nitrogen fertilizer Uh, obviously we need that additional boost in growth but that will accentuate that ammonia problem but having said that we need the nitrogen to grow grass so that's okay Um, so long as it fits with your um, farm environment plan and the suitability of applying in at that time of year so we've got the fourth reason why lush leafy ryegrass dominant pastures uh, can cause you problems with low magnesium. You're scratching your head going, goodness, can be, there be anything more? Look, this, this additional uh, factor with these high quality lush grasses late winter, early spring is that the ryegrass, particularly that second grazing round grass, uh, contains a very low level of dry matter, or in other words, it contains a lot of water. The wet, sloppy grass adds lots of water into the rumen, not unsurprisingly, and this may actually just physically dilute down the total rumen content of magnesium and therefore mess up that passive movement of mag from the rumen contents into the blood. That's not really ideal. Or maybe, and this is another maybe, all that wet feed means that cows um, urinate more when they're eating a lot of like wet, sloppy, uh, low dry matter pasture. And more urine may potentially mean more loss of mag um, from the cow and her urine. Another uh, possible thing with pasture and maybe other feeds that contain a lot of polyunsaturated fatty acids can reduce the absorption of both magnesium and calcium uh, by forming insoluble what we call soaps uh, that are formed uh, when you have a, a fatty acid holds hands if you'd like with calcium or magnesium and, and reduce the absorption of that but look 
this is getting further down the scale of why magnesium is taken up um, poorly uh, with these high quality feeds, but it might just be be part of the situation when we've got sloppy feeds. Uh, and while we're on that topic, other fatty feeds uh, such as palm kernel, PKE, may also do this, but there's not a lot of work to, to give us any numbers around quantitatively how important that is in reducing magnesium uptake. What about levels of starches or sugar in the diet? Well, I mean, our pastures don't contain any starch at that time of year, and possibly if uh, the pastures are growing very quickly and there's dull overcast conditions, there may not be a lot of sugar uh, in the diet. So even though the fibre in spring pasture is really quickly degradable and therefore should give enough energy um, for that rumen wall to slurp up magnesium from the rumen contents, apparently it's more the role of uh, quickly available water-soluble carbohydrates or, or starch that drives better uptake of mag. And it seems that starch and sugar drop the rumen pH slightly, maybe increasing solubilisation of magnesium in the rumen fluid. That's a big word, long bigger than wheelbarrow. And hey, that equates to better uptake of mag into the blood. So yeah, all those dull overcast days through late winter and spring mean less water-soluble carbohydrates or sugar in the plant, relatively more crude protein. And hey, look, unfortunately, that's the perfect recipe for uh, increased risk of low blood mag. And there's a couple of other reasons these pastures cause problems. Um, is that, like we don't have a lot of legumes, we've mentioned this before, the legumes really don't start to kick off until later in spring, and our red and white clovers contain more magnesium than our ryegrasses. So when it's cold, we've got mostly ryegrass, not a lot of those legumes, and that'll cause more problems. And finally, and you're going to be happy that this is the final reason why we think um, sloppy winter wet pastures um, create more problems than magnesium. And it's just simply that the whole diet is, is very rapidly rumen fermentable. So look, all components of spring pasture break down real fast in the rumen. And as you'll know with what's coming out the back end of a cow on high quality grass, it is going through the cow very, very quickly compared to when you have other feeds in the diet um, and that in turn will cause issues that the rumen contents aren't in the rumen long enough to allow for the absorption of magnesium. Everything squirts straight on through and when we talk about some of the things we need to do to reduce risks of magnesium deficiency in your cows, sometimes it's worth feeding out just a little bit of baleage, for example, just a little bit to slightly slow down that rumen outflow rate and allow more time for the magnesium to be taken up. So we've obviously talked about the ryegrass plant and how it doesn't like cold, rubbishy winter weather. Now, We've got to acknowledge that this winter weather also gives our cows a hard time um, during the winter and early spring months, sort of July, August, September here in New Zealand. If we've got just one after another of cold southerly storms blowing through, we have cows that don't like this, uh, and if they don't have adequate shelter, they will turn their, their backs and, and bums into the wind and rain, and they just don't eat as much pasture. Now, not eating enough pasture but with a reduced grazing time obviously creates a whole lot of factors like a reduced intake of all nutrients, dry matter, energy, protein, but also magnesium and calcium and all those other good things. So that's increasing risk of metabolic disease. But with regard to magnesium, that's one mechanism. As well as that, in this cold, rough weather, um, we've got reduced utilisation of pastures for your cows and supplementary feeds if you're feeding out in the paddock. So they're eating less because of that. And 
If you rely on pasture dusting or dusting of supplements fed out in the rain uh, with your magnesium oxide, for example, if we've got heavy rain, that just washes straight through. So, yeah, as well as the stress of storms on cows, um, we've got issues around eating less feed. Uh, but the metabolic stress on cows with wind chill and rain and cold or snow uh, increases risks of cows going down the metabolic disease too. So let's face it, this winter is, um, wintry sort of weather is a tough time to, to keep those blood mag levels up in the cow. We're going to have just a, a quick walk through what happens when blood levels of magnesium are too low to keep a cow fit and healthy. So we've mentioned already that even though cows can hold, you know, her whole body levels of magnesium in their bones and teeth, unlike with calcium and phosphorus, our cows uh, aren't very efficient and uh, do not strip that magnesium out of their bones and teeth when they run into a short-term deficit of magnesium. So it's the magnesium's there, but they don't readily release it from the bones as they do, particularly with calcium. Instead, our cows are reliant on that tiny little bit of magnesium that we talked about before that's available to them either in the blood and uh, to a lesser extent in, in the magnesium that's held in the soft tissues. So, yeah, it's, um, it's an issue if we have a sudden and acute need for magnesium, say, like when a cow calves. So the rule of thumb that we work on is that cows can typically have enough soft tissue reserves and what's in the blood to get by with a short-term dietary magnesium deficiency. You know, and that might be like around 12 hours if you're lucky. And that's not very long, hey. So if we don't improve the uptake or supplement them with extra magnesium, these girls will fall victim, I guess, to uh, some of the clinical or possibly subclinical magnesium-related health disorders that we're going to be talking about um, very shortly. So the condition um, that your cows will present with and how they look to you when you see them in the paddock all reflect the effects of what we call hypomagnesemia. Now that's a long word, but bear with me on this one. All that means is low blood magnesium. And if we break that word hypomagnesemia into the two parts of the word, this simply means hypo, which is low, and magnesemia, which is magnesium in the blood. So that's pretty straightforward. When the levels in the, in the blood are low, the levels in the um, CSF, um, or the fluid that's around the brain and spinal cord are also low, and this is the beginning of the cause of the clinical and subclinical issues that we have. If our cows can only hold levels of blood magnesium up for around 12 hours when she's stressed, maybe it's climatic stress when she hasn't had enough magnesium in the diet, and when she's maybe pouring out a heap of milk or she's heavily in calf, she will be at increased risk of hypomagnesemia. And in response to that, we start to uh, have to think of ways that we can get magnesium into those cows more frequently. Not necessarily about lots of magnesium, because we can overdo it, and we're going to finish up this podcast about can we overdose with magnesium. Yes, you certainly can. So what we're thinking about is when challenges are high, so that might be rough weather for, is forecast, um, your shelter setup isn't as good as it needs to be just for a range of whatever reasons and we know they're going to get a bit of wind chill, we're going to have to potentially think of different ways of supplementing with magnesium and not relying on just once a day supplementation. 
so yeah, if the weather's going to cut up rough um, and they're at risk of low magnesium, like if you normally rely on mag chloride or mag sulfate in your drinking water and the forecast is going to be rough and there's going to be ways that they can drink out of puddles in that and avoid your stock water that's got the mag in it, you're going to have to do something else like dusting with some additional mag oxide on pasture and or on supplementary feeds such as silage or baleage. So point number eight for the podcast is what are some key ways that we can see that cows may be running low on magnesium? Well, first up, if you're routinely um, getting your vet to do blood samples on your cows, the first thing that you might know about hypermagnesemia in your cows is that, that you randomly put up 10 or 12 cows for blood sampling and your vet sends those samples away and they text or phone you back the following day and go, oh, actually the lab says your magnesium levels are quite low. And look, apart from that, there may be no obvious signs if the levels are just borderline low. On the other hand, if levels are getting quite low in the blood, you may start to see some clinical signs in your cows. And what we mean by clinical signs is you can actually see um, some stuff that they're doing that's a bit odd and a bit off. Now depending on how low is low on those bloods, your cows might present or show clinical signs in one of two different ways. And firstly, and this is weird, they may actually show signs of low blood calcium. Yep, I know that's a bit um, crazy to say low blood calcium when we've just been talking about magnesium for all this time. But look, we're often a tangent about low blood calcium for a real important reason. And that's because when we have low uh, cases of low magnesium in New Zealand cows, bizarrely the most common thing we see with low magnesium are signs of low blood calcium, like milk fever and downer cows. We'll see downer cows that bizarrely are really responsive um, to calcium boroglucanate-based products in the vein or under the skin. So they'll, they'll respond well, they'll wake up, uh, get up and run away after treating them with calcium, and yet this is to do with low magnesium. What is this about? Seems odd, hey? Well, what's going on is, is a little bit of hormonal stuff in the background here, and that the, said before, like cows need magnesium for like 300 different enzyme systems. Well, we need these cows to have enough magnesium to activate a hormone called parathyroid hormone, or PTH. Now, getting a bit technical here, but hang in there. Cows um, need that, that PTH hormone to help regulate normal levels of blood calcium. So if you're seeing a lot of milk fever down at cows, it's really important to get your vet involved and to diagnose whether low magnesium is shutting down the cow's ability to regulate blood calcium levels, or in fact you've got a primary calcium deficiency that we can talk about in another podcast another day. So yeah, if you're getting down, it's not just about chucking more calcium supplementation like lime, lime flour, uh, that cows, it could be that your mag your, um, there's a magnesium deficiency problem that's triggering your milk fever problems. Sorry, I'm not trying to confuse you on this one. Uh, years ago, I read a reference, and I can't find it, which infuriates me, but anyway, there's a reference um, that suggests that uh, the level of uh, the blood magnesium in your cows determines whether you get milk fever as your first presenting sign due um, to low magnesium, or whether you get what's called true grass tetany, which is the nervous signs, neurological signs associated with low mag, but hold that thought, we're going to come back to that next. 
what um, this reference suggested, and I guess it makes sense, is that if your uh, blood or serum magnesium levels in your cows are around about that 0.55 to 0.6 millimoles per litre mark, you're more likely to get milk fever. But if you're down around that 0.3 to 0.4 millimoles per litre or lower, that's when we're more likely to get true grass tetany, which some of you might sometimes call uh, grass staggers, not to be confused with ryegrass staggers, another topic another day. So quite unlike milk fever when cows are pretty subdued and quiet and if they do go down it's rather gracefully they'll sit down maybe wobble a bit and sit down and the heads round on the flank and uh, we've, we've got sort of a, a flaccid paralysis uh, with those cows in contrast grass tetany or grass staggers these cows with really low levels of blood magnesium have full-on seizures. Um, they can become very aggressive. And if they do go down, they don't go down gracefully. They, they go down and they thrash. They'll kick up dirt all around them. You'll see where they've been um, pouring at the ground, um, tr you know, thrashing and having a seizure. And these cows um, can quickly die. Now, if the, the tetany cow is down on the ground, they, they have a real classic, loud, really pounding heartbeat that you can actually feel um, through the skin between the ribs just behind the left elbow on that left-hand side. Sometimes you can actually hear it pounding away. And these need urgent attention, uh, preferably from your vet, but they, they need magnesium very, very quickly. Sometimes these grass tetany cows are just found dead, just dropped dead uh, on the race or in the paddock or uh, in the yard in the shed might even have a mouthful of fresh grass in their mouths. They just suddenly die of a heart attack. Now, cows die suddenly for a range of reasons, so it's really important to get your vet involved. Um, but just acknowledging that the, we have these two forms, like uh, hypocalcemia, milk fever form, and then we have a full-on uh, nervous or neurological sign. So thankfully we don't get a lot of grass tetany in the dairy industry nowadays in New Zealand. Mainly credit to, to the industry, we've come a long way uh, from when it was more common in the 1970s and 1980s when we didn't as understand as well how to prevent low magnesium issues. So because as an industry we've all been really proactive and you guys too, which is awesome, we don't often see that grass tetany form. If we do see it, it's usually when something's gone really wrong with the supplementation of magnesium. Someone, weekend staff, have inadvertently uh, left mag out of the diet. They've forgotten to dust or add it to the water. Uh, mainly during we rainy weather, if you're 100% reliant on just your mag chloride or sulfate through the stock water and the cows are just drinking out of puddles. Uh, but yeah, coming around to this, if you have aggressive cows or sudden deaths, you must urgently get your vet involved because, of course, Let's be real, is that low blood magnesium is not the only cause of neurological signs. There's other things like the nervous form of ketosis, etc. So, yeah, um, to get your vet involved. There's other subclinical effects of low um, dietary magnesium, aside from these clinical signs. And sometimes it's just an inappropriately low level of milk solids production. Uh, the rumen microbes actually need magnesium to digest cellulose and hemicellulose in the rumen, so that's not ideal. Uh, and that can actually cause low milk fat sometimes, uh, mainly because of that reduced uh, digestibility of cellulose and hemicellulose. And I guess we mentioned before about in the olden days of the 1970s and 80s, uh, some of you that have been in the industry for a long time will recall other signs that we sometimes get really nowadays with low levels of magnesium and early lactation. And that's a condition that used to be called 
leather bag. And now that's when the skin of the udder gets all thickened and leathery, as the name suggests. And that seems um, due to like chronic low levels of magnesium over a prolonged period of time. And there's yet another condition, and, and good old New Zealand names, it's called Taranaki anemia. Sorry, Taranaki people, not beating up on you. Uh, but that's a condition um, that sometimes accompanies cases of leather bag, and as the name suggests, it's um, anemic cows, again, due to chronic exposure to low levels of magnesium. Now, you're probably happy to know we're going to sum up this whole magnesium story now. Um, it's been a long podcast, this, so uh, wherever you're listening in from, the tractor or you're on the road or doing, uh, you know, like uh, mum and dad taxi runs with the kids, hopefully this hasn't you haven't had to pick it up and put it down too much uh, as a topic. But look, summing up, uh, we've covered off that for sure low blood magnesium in cows can present in a different couple of ways. You know, that milk fever type, so that's like low blood calcium. And that's the main way that magnesium problems present here in New Zealand. But yeah, the only way to determine whether it's a primary calcium problem causing uh, hypocalcemia or whether it's because the magnesium's too low to allow the cow to regulate her calcium levels properly. The only way to do that is to get your, your vet involved and get some bloods done on cows and just see whether like um, both the magnesium and calcium are low, so that's more likely the mag's the problem. Or in fact, if your magnesium levels are awesome and they're fine uh, and the calcium is low, suggesting that therefore the diet might just be low in calcium. And remembering that other extreme form of mag with the seizures and thrashing around with that neurological signs of it. And obviously um, they can get quite quite grumpy at you, so it's a health and safety factor with aggressive grumpy cows. Um, now I know that many of you um, talked a lot of you and, and you'll know or suspect if your cows are getting a bit low in mag and that they get a bit grumpy and a bit foot stompy in, in the shed and, and do a bit more cup kicking um, off than they normally do. So look, seriously, it's a good thing to watch for this. Like cows can get grumpy and kicky in the shed for a whole lot of other reasons, like just heifer trainings and, um, you know, stray voltage in the shed and other things that need to be looked into. But yeah, grumpy cows can indicate that you're low on mag, but remember other things happen to make cows grumpy. Um including uh, nervous forms of ketosis, for example. But yeah, definitely get your vet involved. So recapping again, we've stepped through the reasons why ryegrass-dominant pastures uh, in winter and early spring can be pro you know, problematic. You know, low magnesium, low calcium, high potassium, high protein, and therefore high rumen ammonia, all those sorts of things. And this is where... If for a feed budget purpose you need to be feeding other feeds such as maize silage, grass silage or baleage, feeding other feeds can sometimes help hold levels of magnesium up in the blood, particularly if they're not squirting through the eye of the needle, they're not scouring at the back end. Just a little bit of supplements that firms up the dung a bit can mean that magnesium sticks around in the rumen. With the supplements, though, remember some supplements do contain low levels of magnesium and may require extra supplementation in their own right. Now, that one example I'm thinking of is maize silage that usually contains less magnesium than pasture. So if you're feeding maize, typically we're looking at that triple mix approach, additional sodium and magnesium and calcium. But we'll talk about maize silage another day. So the thing that we've talked about as well is potassium being the bad guy as far as... Um, not, a, not applying K to pasture uh, as fit until the high risk of metabolic challenges are well past, and that's usually getting into the warmer months of the year. We discussed also that cows aren't able to hold up their blood magnesium levels for much more than 12 hours. So if you've got a real stress coming onto the cows, like rough weather uh, or whatever, you may need to take your, your magnesium supplements that you were previously, say, dust, dusting pasture once a day. 
you might have to take, so if you're dusting at 60 grams, you might want to do 30 and 30 um, twice a day, and or if you're on 24 hour grazing, you might want to um, put a, a fence up at the back of the brake on your 24 hour paddock, and when cows go back in for a second time, that you have some mag on that second little strip of grass, just to make sure that cows can access magnesium supplementation twice a day. As we mentioned before, if you're just medicating the drinking water with, with magchloride or sulfate, uh, you know, most of you will be very well aware of this that during wet rainy weather we're going to have to dust as well because the girls won't be drinking as much. If blood magnesium is low and the cow's dung is very loose and full of water, we mentioned before, just a little bit of baleage um, can firm things up and that's preferable to simply chucking more magnesium supplementation at the cows and this is an important point that we're going to finish up with. Point number nine, I think we're up to. Can we overdose cows with magnesium? Yes, yes, we most certainly can. And ironically, too much magnesium supplementation to your cows can cause them to present with signs that ironically look a whole lot like milk fever. So... If you're getting metabolic problems, it's not about just chucking more and more magnesium at your cows if you're not um, fully figuring out why you're getting more metabolic problems. So in other words, get your vet uh, and or qualified ruminant nutritionist involved to troubleshoot why you are still getting uh, either hypocalcemia or hypomagnesemia issues uh, rather than simply chucking heaps more magnesium at them. Now, what happens is when we give them too much magnesium, we actually increase the risk of hypocalcemia, and that's the low blood calcium levels. There's two mechanisms by which this might be happening if we overdose cows on mag. Firstly, if we are using magnesium oxide and we chuck heaps and heaps of mag oxide at the cows, this can actually increase the pH uh, both in the rumen and if it's way, way too much, even in the blood too. And that upsets that PTH or parathyroid hormone function yet again. And PTH, as you'll recall, is important for maintaining normal blood calcium levels. So yeah, not enough mag causes PTH problems and therefore milk fever, but too much mag also messes with PTH function. So that's not ideal. And secondly, too much magnesium changes the functionality of the mus muscular parts of the gut, particularly the rumen reticulum and the intestines, and that means that they don't contract properly. And if we have poor small intestinal function, so it's the small intestines that are downstream from the four stomachs, that means reduced active absorption um, of dietary calcium, so we end up with milk fever. A couple of other things you'll notice about high mag in your cows, how it may show up, and again, this is something that if your cup's on in the shed or bringing cows up, you'll notice it, is that the magnesium at very high levels in the blood will act as a central nervous system depressant, which mean the cows go, oh, sad and slow and don't want to move and are slow out of the paddock and slow into the shed or on the platform. So that will make them sad and slow, and I'm sure many of you, when you've inadvertently overdone magnesium, will notice uh, that and, and will back off the levels of magnesium as a result. As well as that, if you are using sources of magnesium, and specifically we're thinking magnesium sulfate, if we go high, inappropriately high levels of mag sulfate, uh, they will scour, they will get diarrhea and very voluminous liquid um, dung, because, of course, when we think about it, what's magnesium sulfate? Yep, it's Epsom salts. 
and uh, anyone that's had Epsom salts to deal with your own um, gut function will know that too much ends badly. Oh dear. And on rare occasions as well, too much magnesium oxide for cows, particularly if it's gritty, granular, um, like a coarser grade of mag oxide, might on rare occasions increase risk of salmonellosis. So that's the salmonella bug causing high temperature and um, and uh, scouring, bloody scour, etc. in cows. And the way we think this might happen is that the mag oxide increases the pH in the abomasin. The abomasin is normally very acidic, uh, 2, 2.5 on the pH scale. And uh, mag oxide is a neutralising agent, so it works against acid and brings up the pH, and that may increase risk of salmonella uh, bacteria flourishing um, and causing more problems. So look, too much mag, just as bad as not enough, and if you are still getting down a cows despite your typical magnesium supplementation strategy, don't just chuck more magnesium at the cows. Uh, too much uh, is harmful. If you are not resolving problems with your current magnesium strategy, get your vet to collect some blood samples. Um, now, ideally, this is from uh, the normal herd mates, not the ones that are going down with milk fever, but but just their mates who aren't going down. Uh, you can take blood samples from downer cows, but sometimes you get some weird results. Uh, sometimes the magnesium is really high um, if the blood flow through the kidneys isn't, isn't very good. Um, so, yeah, it's better to get the blood samples from the normal herd mates or as recommended by your vet. And I guess the other thing you can do is uh, take some, uh, feed test some samples for uh, looking at levels of the minerals uh, and see how low levels of magnesium are, or if your pasture, for example, contains a lot of potassium and a lot of protein. Whew, right. I think that's a good place to stop with this very long podcast. Uh, no apologies for this, but for those of us here in New Zealand, magnesium metabolism is something nearest, dearest to our hearts to keep our cows well. So not a lot of apologies because this is something that we have to get right year on year, uh, particularly for those of you farming on ryegrass dominant pastures uh, through the winter and early spring. So look, um, good on you for, for hanging in as long as you have with this podcast. Appreciate your uh, enthusiasm to listen in. But look, on behalf of both myself, I'm Charlotte Westwood, uh, and our sponsors, PGG Rights and Seeds, we'd just like to say thanks heaps for joining us uh, during this podcast. We really hope that this has been um, even just one or two handy tips or tricks and helpful uh, to keep your cows well for the coming year. If you want more information about ruminant nutrition, obviously we've got some other episodes that you can listen back over about the basics of nutrition, or if Facebook's your thing, come over to Facebook, search up the Rumin Room Facebook group, and join in our ruminant nutrition chit-chat uh, that goes on amongst our community there. Thanks guys, hope you have a fantastic day. Cheers. Cheers.